Hi guys, this is Mass Mikkelsen, and you are listening to Mark and Me Podcast. Welcome to episode 36 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark, and on today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Mads Mikkelsen, one of my favourite actors on the planet. So yes, I'm very excited and I can't wait to get into this. It's another face-to-face interview as well. I was lucky enough to spend the morning with him. We had breakfast, we had drinks, and we got to record a special episode for all of you out there. So it's a dream come true. Anyone that knows this podcast and has listened since the start will know that I started with a list. I wrote five names down of people that would be my dream guest. And after interviewing Mads today, I can safely say that's my third name on the list of five now ticked off. He is one of my favourite actors on the planet. My favourite TV show nearly of all time is (laughs) Hannibal, so it goes to show just how much I love the character. But again, the performance from Mads himself... Some of the films he's been in I am absolutely obsessed with. The Hunt is very, very good. The Salvation, Men and Chicken, Doctor Strange, Rogue One. There's some great, great films. Casino Royale, the list goes on. He's one of the best actors on the planet and I'm so, so excited that he's joining me today. Now before we get into the interview itself, let's talk a little bit about the last episode. So I was joined by Justin Schulzberg from Hell is for Heroes. Again, one of my favourite bands on the planet. Such a great guy and the response has been fantastic. Thanks to Hell is for Heroes for obviously pushing out there as well via their social media. It's been a great, great one for numbers. And again, I really appreciate you all listening. But let's get back into today's episode. As I said, Mads Mikkelsen one of the best actors on the planet, and I was lucky enough to do this face-to-face. So without further ado, here's my interview with me and Mads Mikkelsen. Enjoy. So Mads, thank you for joining me on the Mark and Me podcast. You got it. How are you doing today? Well, I'm good. I am. I'm good. That's good to hear. <laughs> so I've been researching your career, and obviously you started as a gymnast, and you'd had an eight-year career in dancing. Um, what was it that triggered you to want to change to become an actor? Because that's quite a change. Yeah. As I always say, it was never planned to be a dancer. It was like a Billy Elliot story in yeah. the sense that I, I was just a gymnast and I was in the background of a musical, jumping up and down and doing some flips. And the choreographer thought I had some talent and asked me if I wanted to learn the craft. So I did that. I had a hard time telling my friends, working class friends, what I was doing. But eventually I came around and, and told them and they were very interested because there was a lot of girls there and not a lot of men doing it. Uh, so I did that for eight years, um, and I loved it, uh, but I was always a little more interested in the the drama of dancing yeah. than the aesthetic of dancing. And So it was a natural choice after doing several musicals to look at the actors and say, that's what I want to do, I want, I want to be an actor. So I applied for a drama school and I got in and for four years, and then I became an actor at the age of 30. 
Brilliant. I mean, that's a bit of a late start for some people. Yeah. Living in Denmark and growing up, were you watching a lot of TV and films that were set there, or were you watching Hollywood stuff, or what was your both, sort of... Uh, both. I mean, there was obviously a, a culture based in, in what we did back home. There was some classics that we all watched. I was listening to what we called radio theatre a lot with my yeah. brother. Uh, I loved that because that was, you know, living it up to the imagination what was happening. You yeah. didn't have any images. But I was also... I, I remember vividly growing up with Bruce Lee was a big hero of mine. And yeah. Buster Keaton was a big hero of mine. Um, so, so it was definitely also international. What I was so watching. Bruce Lee films, yeah. Yeah, Bruce Lee films was... Um, well, it had an impact on my generation like nothing else. Yeah. Um, and I think that Buster Keaton had as well, even though obviously he was way before me. I loved Charlie Chaplin, but I really, really loved watching Buster Keaton. Yeah. I think that that might be my biggest inspiration uh, ever to see a man that did so very little yeah and when he finally did a little little thing the sky just opened up so you said you obviously got into acting at the age of 30 which is a bit later when you landed the role in James Bond Casino Royale that scale of a jump because you were doing a lot of local right smaller films yeah. lower productions to go into the jump of that of one of the biggest blockbusters ever the biggest franchise how did you adapt? Because it must have blown your mind. Well, it did to a degree. I think that the just working on the film itself was was not the uh, the turning point because we were just actors sitting around the table with the director talking about the scene, and we went in there and, and tried to do what we talked about. Uh, it was the aftermath of you know, Leicester Square having the opening night, fifty thousand people standing there. It was like, all right, I'm in a Bond film. Yeah, that's where it dawned on me. But but. To be honest, just doing the film was just like being an actor in a in a bigger production where you can um, you can you can take it so far, but but it was still a Bond film. You can you couldn't go ballistic with it, right? No. So, do you have a different approach now when you're doing the big studio films like Marvel for Doctor Strange? When you've done Star Wars, I mean, it doesn't get any bigger. No, I try to to, to make it small every time. I always try to make it a small independent film in yeah. the sense that this is a scene; it has to work. Uh, but I'm always aware what the frames are. I mean, obviously, if you do a, a Star Wars film, it has to be within that world. And the same with the Bond film. And if you do a, a Danish film, it's a different framework. Yeah. If you do a commercial, that's a different agenda. Uh, and you always have to be aware of what that is. Uh, and if you understand that, you can still be free within that world. When you were growing up, did you watch any Star Wars films as every sort of child did in the world? Or were you not a fan? My brother was. I remember he was... Um, Staying outside for two days to get a ticket out, and it was like a phenomenon that that nobody understood. It it, it never happened before that yeah. people were lining up for days to get a ticket. Uh, I was maybe a bit too young to get that and jump on that train. I, I yeah. caught it later, as I said before. I was I was hooked in, in horror films and Bruce Lee films, and yeah. that's what I was watching predominantly. But later on, I, I caught that train and I was blown away. Even watching the first one today is just it's magical yeah. what they could do at the time. So can you kind of describe to me what it was like when you got the phone call for Rogue One and it was like, we want you to be in it? You must have been like, it must be amazing to be a father and know your kids can watch you in a Star Wars film. Yeah, that's the amazing thing. And it's, I'm, I'm probably not the first generation, it would be my parents' generation that was... So that's three, at least three, maybe even four generations now. That's amazing. That has been part of that the franchise. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's amazing to watch. There's very few things like that. Maybe the Bond universe and Marvel's younger. 
not as a comic book but as films they are yeah. um, so there's probably nothing like it that, that has you know spread so wide and, and is still thriving and living in, in, the, in the best ages so have your kids watched you in it yet? Have they yeah. sat down and do yeah. they love it? Yeah, they did love it. Yeah, <laughs> they did. So what are your kids like with you always being a villain? Are they happy with that? Are you happy with that? Do you kind of... Because it's not a joke, but it's constantly when I see you cast, it's, oh, here he is again, he's the villain. Yeah. Well, I tend to be the villain in, in, in American films. I've done quite a few European films where I'm not. I'm just yeah. playing somebody. or play yeah. Stravinsky or play a man with glasses or yeah. <laughs> innocent convicted... Yeah, that's a great film. Right. So I, I've I've been around. I've done both. Yeah. Uh, and and if that's what I'm offered in America, uh, I'm I'm grateful. Yeah. Uh, that I'm not getting nothing offered. So yeah. So so I'm good with that. Uh, the villain roles I've been doing has been very interesting. So uh, and I can always tiptoe back home and do a, do a good guy. Is that what you like to do? Kind of have a range, so you can go and do the big Hollywood, massive scale of five hundred people, where you say hello to five hundred people every day, yeah. and then you can go and work on yeah, Man I and mean, Chicken, which is you know yes, I mean, fifty people. Yes, I, I'm very fortunate that that's the case for me. I mean, it's not that I, I'm looking forward to say good morning to five hundred people, but I think that you can you can get away with things in American films that you can in a Danish production, and vice versa. Uh, and uh, well, I did my first American film last year called Arctic where I play a, um, the lead and it's a survival drama of a man trying to survive on, on the Arctic yeah uh, and um, so that was a, a game changer I hope that, yeah. that, that people will see me with different eyes but but um, but I have been quite fortunate that people do see me with different eyes yeah and talking about your TV stuff I mean Hannibal for me is probably my favorite TV show in the last 10 years I think it's amazing the the way it looks the style right for you to be cast as Hannibal is huge yeah that was huge that was uh, that was uh, well I had I hesitated for quite a while yeah and I, I didn't get it offered right away I was on the table and I did an audition for it and um I knew Hugh Dancy from way back. We did King Arthur together. Yeah. My first gig abroad. Uh, so we were already friends, which was a super nice thing. Um, yeah, to step into Anthony Hopkins' shoes, or, or Fox's shoes. Or yeah. Fox's shoes. I mean, they're, they're, they're enormous, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, Brian Fuller, he pitched for me, and then he was pitching, I think, 10 seasons of madness and I realized that this is a completely different animal we're doing here this yeah. is a TV show and we have as much time as we want to, to gradually develop the characters we don't have to lay it out in 14 minutes like Anthony Hopkins had to yeah um, no I mean what he did was immaculate but what we did was something else so, so, so for that reason I said okay let's give it a try did you study and watch all of Anthony Hopkins' work again and again, or did you try? I've done it later. After you, yeah. the first season, I, I yeah. went back and watched that. I thought there would be, um, as I said, it was not directly linked to what he did, but but I, I I was curious after a year just watching what he did again, and 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 he's just wonderful in the part. Do you know that I interviewed Anthony Hopkins last year? Yeah. Uh, cool. And he doesn't do interviews ever for a podcast. And well, I sat you know. with him, and I sat with him, and I said. What did you think of Mads taking on Hannibal? And he said he doesn't watch telly anymore. He does art, he paints, he does music. Right. But he watched one episode and he thought you were absolutely fantastic. That is a wonderful thing to know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, well I'm very grateful for that. It's, it's, 
well, he's aware that it's a chibi thing, so so it's 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 the pace is different, and and um, we everybody had it in, on the back of the minds. It was such a successful uh, film of films, yeah, um, especially one of them, and um, so we had to kind of like take off that coat and 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 put up something else ourselves, our own coat. Yeah, and I'm I'm very pleased to hear that he enjoyed watching it. Yeah, he's a, he never watches telly. He hates telly now because he's right. he's you know 70, 80 years old. He right. wants to just relax and paint. But he and put he it on it. and he watched an episode and he said that guy was amazing. That, so, that's really wonderful to hear. I mean, I, I can I was still I was watching a few episodes of um, uh, Westworld. How good is that TV show? That's super good, and uh, and something happens every time he enters the screen. You know, it's just. It just becomes different. It just becomes yeah. magical somehow. There's there's a there's a patience. There's a there's a generosity in what he does that is really unique yeah. uh, as an actor. And um, even now on even TV, now, yeah. But, and 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 it doesn't get less the the older he, he no, gets. No, it's right? frightening. Yeah. And the thing is with him is he looks like he's not even trying. No, he's not trying, and that's, <laughs> that's the beauty of the whole thing. And. Uh, very inspiring, very inspiring to watch. Amazing. So I'm going to be completely honest with you. When I watched Series 3 and the news came out that it was cancelled, I was so fucked off. Like, yeah. I couldn't have been more pissed off when you get so much shit on TV and then the mm. finest looking. Brian Fuller has made this third season look so hypnotic and so yeah. the visuals are incredible. You must be furious. You can't be sitting there thinking, yep, that's fine, because it's just getting to that kind of... We were in a strange situation, because we, we knew after the first season that we were on the edge, right? Yeah. We did not have the crowd that they wanted. No. And people were fighting for it, because the ones who loved it really, really loved it. So yeah. we got another season. Uh, and after the second season, uh, which, in my opinion, was even better... Yeah. Uh, we were still on that edge. We were just still, oh, it's going that way or that way. But after the third season, the numbers were better. Uh, and we were absolutely convinced that we were going to get a fourth season. So we didn't anticipate that it was going to be cancelled. We did the first yeah. two seasons, but not the third one. So it was a big surprise to everyone. And we were looking forward to dive into, well, the next the next step of Brian Fuller's universe, which was, when he pitched it, was sounding absolutely mad. You're teasing me now, saying that he's mm. talked about it and all this. But is that? Do you think we might get it one day? Do you think Netflix or Amazon might jump in and save Hannibal? Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's not only about that. I think there are there are a few places that are interested. It's it's about getting the rights for the right books so yeah. he can go on with his dreams. Yeah. Uh, and, and he had the rights to certain books, but not to other books. No. And that means there are certain characters we can't use, and and we really desperately need to use some of them. Definitely, especially yeah. where the story's getting right now. Right. So, are there any roles you fancy? Is there sort of you do a lot of variety? Like you said, you've done a convicted paedophile, you've done a villain of a Marvel film. Are there somewhere you kind of fancy? Is there roles and actors you look at and think, I want to try and do that? A lot of actors, a lot of directors yeah. that I would love to work with. Uh, I think that the, my dream is always a dream that uh, becomes my dream when I listen to the director who has a vision. Yeah. So I. Uh, I don't have like a Hamlet in me like oh I gotta do Hamlet no, no, no not not really I, it becomes my Hamlet when when the director convinces me that this is something worthwhile yeah doing you know uh, and so you can be 
done, finished, tired for a while, and then somebody else comes around and tells you, pitches you something, and you go, whoa, let's go. You know? Yeah. And and this is how I work. I, I, I don't go around saying, I really want to do a zombie film. I want no. to do flying kung fu, uh, which are the two things <laughs> I would love to do. That, yeah, yeah. I would love to do. But but that's not, I mean, there's got to be the story. The story's got to be interesting to me. Yeah. yeah. There must be some directors out there, people like Spielberg, that you must want to kind of have on your CV and... Scorsese. Oh, God. You'd like to work with Martin Scorsese and people like Christopher Nolan, because I can imagine you in films with Tom Hardy, people like that. Are there any actors that you'd love to work with that you admire? Everyone. I always bump into actors I didn't know about. That just, just, you know, flabbergasts me and go, whoa, where have you been hiding? You know? Yeah. I don't watch a ton of films, so when I meet... Other actors, older or younger, they can uh, you know, swipe my legs away, and that, that's the beauty of this job. You know, yeah. Tons of them out there. Now I'm picturing you doing a Bruce Lee film just because yeah. of your love and desire. Can we bring him back? Oh, that's the dream. That's yeah. the absolute dream. And then I also, you're a big horror fan, aren't you? Yeah. So imagine you with John Carpenter or. Oh, Carpenter is my biggest. I grew up with the Halloween one. Yeah. And, and it was just haunting me for years. Yeah, and I had to go back and watch it again and again. I wasn't young; I was too old, too young to watch it in, in, in the theaters. And my brother was pitching it for me. Yeah, like every day, and this happened, this happened. <laughs> and I finally got to see it, <laughs> and I finally saw it. I knew everything was happening. I was shitting my pants. Yeah. yeah. And then, luckily, it was a double feature film. And then in those days in Copenhagen, and there, I don't think they had too many restrictions. So the other film was called Deep Throat. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. A deep throat was apparently not a horror film. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was in for a treat that day. <laughs> I mean, they're bringing out Halloween again now. Another, yeah. And it's supposed to be done very well, respected, yeah, okay. and John Carpenter's doing the soundtrack and producing it, so it's going to be good. But well, yeah, well, let's see. I mean, it, it, it can happen. Uh, they, they did it with the... Um, it. Late Runner. It as well. It, when that came okay, back out. Yeah. Stephen I mean, King. I'll, I'll be surprised, but, but uh, I'll give it a chance. Um, Certain things are for a certain time, yeah, and that's how it works. I'm, I'm not sure I would like to see a reproduction of Taxi Driver, you know? no, but um, but yeah, I'm, I'm open for it. Let's have a look at it because, like, in the 80s, some of my favorite films were like John Carpenter's The Thing, you oh, know, thing, that, yeah. that's a masterpiece, and that wouldn't work now because it's the 80s feel, the look of it, the exactly, the the 80s effects, has, the you could get away effects. with certain things in the 80s, yeah, and that was the only way you can do it, you couldn't do it. Like 2011 no. in the 80s, or but yeah, uh, but I, I'm, I'm curious about that. That's that's interesting. Have you seen the new version of it? With no, Steve? I haven't. See, so well, check it out if you like the original with Stephen King. Mm. It's worth it. It's really well done because there's a lot of rubbish out there. There's so many horrors. There's too much bad. Yeah. But now and then they bring stuff like the Babadook or these original films that are, oh, cool. are worth a watch. Yeah. So how do you uh, fancy a career in directing? Because you obviously like jumping around careers. Is that something you'd like to do, get on the other side of the camera? I'd be a liar saying no. Yeah. Uh, I think that so far my uh, my thirst has been quenched, is that how you say it? Yeah. <laughs> By um, always being uh, invited in. Yeah. Uh, especially, obviously, in the Danish films I've done. I'm always invited in in the, in the early stages of a... Of a the script writing and yeah, and 
and I think I have a, a, a in a humble way I would say I have a talent of not just focusing on my on, on my character I'm focusing on what the film is trying to achieve yeah and then I was like why don't we go that way then then we achieve it even more uh, and so for that reason I've, I've been invited in so I, so I'm not that thirsty for it yet but, I but think but 10 maybe years one time day, yeah maybe when people get really fed up with this thing <laughs> when you've done yeah. every villain ever yeah <laughs> And how do you like to spend your time when you're not filming? Because you said you like to have breaks, so you'll go and film, you'll do TV for six months, a year, you'll do big Hollywood films, and then you'll take some time out. Yeah, I have to. I mean, the, yeah. the biggest chunk of my work is now abroad, so that means I'm away from my family. So when, when, I, when I'm done with that, I need a break. I need to be with my family. Yeah. Uh, if I was working back home, I think I would have been going a little more non-stubby. Yeah. You know? Uh, but I, I have to take two, three, four months out every, yeah. every year. Um, so what do I do? I do well. It doesn't look like you know me chain smoking and having a morning coke, but, <laughs> but I am a sporty guy. I, I, I ride my bicycle. I play tennis all the time. I play handball. I, I love doing sports. That's Is that how you look so fit at your age? You just yeah, that's a combo of, of metabolism and, and and doing sports, I guess. Yeah, my wife is obsessed with you, and I think she would leave me for you. I think you've done well there. You've got it's not a good sign. <laughs> no, <laughs> so I need to do more sport and smoke more. Yeah, chain smoking in there and, and, <laughs> and drink Pepsi at eight o'clock. Get your metabolism stabilized. And do you enjoy being famous? I mean, it's not something you can handle. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. Uh, there is absolutely positive things coming this way by being famous. Yeah. Um, being famous for, for the fame, I think that yeah, these days you can actually become rich doing that. Uh, but but I think that being famous for what I do and people like what I do is, is obviously very important to, yeah. to an actor. Uh, so yes, I embrace that. Um, walking up the street and go, oh shit, yeah, okay, good morning, and here's a photo, is is a different thing. I can't control that. Right? No. So, but I, I have a tendency of forgetting that every day. I don't go around as a paranoid person going, oh, I can't walk the street today. No. I, I, don't, I simply forget it every day. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the best approach to it. And what's your advice for people that are listening to this interview that want to become an actor? Because you've proved you can do it in your 30s. We have a hunch when we do stuff uh, that this, is, this can go one way or it can go the other way. And the hunch is right. Um, and so you either say yes or no to certain things and when you say yes you've got to fight for that hunch yeah. I mean uh, if you've seen some beauty in a story and you feel it's going the wrong way you fight for it be persistent And but if the, the director persuades you that you're on the wrong track listen to that as well but you have to be listening to your, to your inner first voice Yeah. and that there's something pure about that one uh, and uh, and the rest is up to everybody individual. They all tackle it differently. But but don't give in if you think it's worth fighting for. And if you were to retire tomorrow, right? what's your finest moment? <laughs> Good one. <laughs> uh, you were talking career here, right? Because obviously... Everything you've will, done today. We'll go back and yeah. talk about having my kids, of course. But anything to do with films or TV. Uh. If we were watching a highlights reel of Mads Mikkelsen, what would be that video we saw? I, I don't think I can take anything out. It's going to be a vague answer here because I mean I think they all complement each other. Yeah. Uh, without men and chicken, um, uh, Hannibal would look differently. Yeah. Uh, and without Pusher Two, 
the hunt would look differently and, yeah. and so forth. I think they go hand in hand. I've never done anything work-wise that I regretted. I've done no. things that were better than other things, but there's no regrets because you learn from everything and, and, uh, and we always start out with trying to make the best thing possible. And when it wasn't going your way, I read that, was it like Fantastic Four that you just thought, fuck this, I'm not doing it? <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't offering it. So no. It wasn't even close. It was just, it was an addition. Where I just, I found myself humiliated by standing there and, and reaching out for, for that sign over there, 40, yeah. 40 yards away or whatever, uh, and two lines. And, and I was like, what am I doing here? It's like, I don't have rubber arms. This is stupid. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and I just felt that, it was going the wrong way with, with, with my, with my job, right? Uh, so I was just like, no, oh, no, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do auditions for, for things I, I can, you know, embrace, yeah, and not for things that obviously imagine, imagine I have long arms, please don't let me act, but, you know? yeah. <laughs> um, so, but that wasn't, it wasn't a down thing. It was just a way of approaching Hollywood that is quite different than, than it is back home. And if you had to choose, final question, if yeah. you had to choose to do the smaller films forever or the big Hollywood ones, forget the paycheck, forget the mm. limelight, what's your heart? You started with the independent films. I did. And this is. And look at The Hunt. Look at That's kind of the mix yeah. between the two. Well, The Hunt is a small-scale film in any way possible. Uh, it just became big uh, because it was good. Um, I grew up with it. That's what I watched first. Right? Yeah. I didn't watch the small French independent films. No. I mean, I became an actor, that's why I landed first. <clears throat> so my heart is there, but my heart is also at the bigger films. I think there's a... Movie magic is... Uh, it's magic, I and mean, you can't put words on why it is. It can be magic in a small film, it can be magic in a big film. When I watch Singing in the Rain today, I melt. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just immaculate. It's an immaculate film. Uh, and to say that... Mm, I'm... I'm not going to be part of that universe. I'm only going to do my little yeah. things in Denmark. Would be heartbreaking and yeah. vice versa. Well, no one can ever say Mads Mikkelsen is typecast. Okay, you've been a lot of villains, yeah. but you do what you want when you want. Yeah, I, I, I think I do. Uh, obviously, I don't get offered everything in the world, but among the things I do get offered, I do what I want. And um, that's a good place to be. It's a fantastic place. I mean, I'm very fortunate. I mean, I've, I've got so many friends who've not been working for years, right? So, so, so even having this discussion, what do I choose? Yeah. It's like, hardly anyone, hardly anyone <laughs> yeah. gets to choose, right? Yeah. And, and we're having this discussion, that means I'm a very fortunate person. So I'll just rest my case, I don't want to choose. So there it is. There's the interview with me and Mads Mickelson himself. An absolute dream come true and by far one of the greatest actors on the planet. So, yeah, it really did happen. This isn't a dream. I can't believe it. It's here. It's, you've just listened to it. So it really did happen. I'm not still pinching myself, but it's amazing. To actually do the interview face-to-face, -face, I think, makes a huge difference. As you heard with Jamie Lemon's interview only a couple of weeks ago, the sound quality is better. You get a better atmosphere. It just feels more real. I love watching the reactions of the kind of actor or the musician or whoever I'm speaking to it's it makes it a much more kind of intimate interview and on this occasion we were outside we were chilling we'd had some breakfast we had some coffee we had some cokes we were chilling out there was no rush there was no one in the background tennis we only had five minutes to do the interview we went at our own pace and I think the results are great and shows just how much a difference can make doing these interviews face to face 
it would be a dream to do all these interviews face-to-face moving forwards, but it's all about availability and kind of flexibility with the guests I speak to. But I am making it my purpose to go out there and do as many interviews as I can face-to-face. And thanks to you guys on my Patreon, you might have seen this week on my social media, I've been able to invest in some new gear, so I've now got a brand new recorder to do more location recording, so expect some really big interviews hopefully over the next few months. I want to say a big thanks to Mads for coming on the episode. As I said at the start of today's episode, he's one of my top five requested names that I wanted to get. And, you know, to have that one ticked off alongside, you know, let's be honest about it, Jessica Hines was up there and obviously Anthony Hopkins himself. But I don't reveal the final two on the list. It's just a case of hopefully I can get them and hopefully at the time you'll then find out who they are. But in the meantime, I'm still going to be going out there and interviewing lots of more people. We've got another episode only coming in a couple of weeks. As always, please keep the support coming. It's absolute gold. Please go on markandme.com where you can have access to my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram. The episodes are now on iTunes, they're now on Podomatic, and they're also on Spotify, so they should be able to be accessed all over the world. And my Patreon is doing really well. More and more people are signing up all the time. But without my Patreon, I can't do the stuff like getting new equipment. I can't travel the country to do these interviews. It all helps. This isn't my main income at all. It's a hobby. But if you keep helping me, I will get more and more episodes. And I'm really hopeful that the more I get, the more people that will listen. So that's the kind of big goal for me. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. And I'll be back again in a couple of weeks' time. Take care. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone Women seem wicked when you're unwanted Streets are uneven when you're down When you're strange Faces come out of the rain When you're strange No one remembers your name When you're strange When you're strange When you're Strange People are strange When you're a stranger Faces look ugly When you're alone Women seem wicked When you're unwanted Streets are uneven When you're down When you're strange, when you're strange